so glad you're here. If you would, stand with us. We're going to begin with worship. Let's just sing this together. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing.
who you are. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your faithfulness, God, that you forgive us. We thank you for our freedom, God, that we can come and, and choose you, choose life. glory and honor. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated if you haven't already done so. Good morning. <laughs> Come on now. Good morning. Yeah, here's what I want you to do. I would love for you just to kind of look around the room and slap somebody a air high five for me. We, or you can do it if you're together and you're in your unit. You can do that as well. Uh, for those of y'all that are watching this live and online this morning, you can give us a high five in the chat box. Uh, we we want to say a special good morning to you. If we if you haven't already, let us know you're here. We'd love to hear from you this morning. Uh, my name is Gus Bishop, and I get the opportunity to be one of the pastors here at Divine Church. And um, listen, we we have a, something special that we put together every week for you guys, whether you're watching us live and online or here in person. And it's our digital connect card. I mean, our digital bulletin. Sorry, our digital bulletin. And you can scan the QR code uh, we're using your phone, or you can click on the digital bulletin on the website. And what that'll do is that's going to provide you all the information that you need to have a more personal worship experience this morning. Um, and listen, whether you're a member, uh, regular attendee, or first-time guest, uh, we would love for you to click on the digital connect card found there in that digital bulletin. Because here's why. We would like to know that you're here. You can fill that, with, fill that out with as much information as you feel comfortable sharing because it gives us an opportunity to, like, thank you for joining us this morning, but also gives us an opportunity just to keep you up to date with all the things God is doing here at Divine Church. You'll find there also there's a place for prayer requests, and there's a place for praises, and we would love to uh, share those with our prayer team so that they can come alongside you and pray for the things that you're praying for, contend for the things that you're contending for in your life, but also celebrate the things that God is doing in your own life. We love to celebrate God. And one of the best ways for us to worship him is to celebrate him and thank him for all the amazing things that he's doing. Um, whew, yeah, if you are relatively new to the vine or relatively new to your faith in Jesus, we have something specially created for you. It's called Engage. And it's a, it's a small group, a small group of people that, where you can come together and you can learn what it means to to walk out this thing of becoming more like Jesus in the context of community here at the Vine Church. And you can find out more information about that by going to the website, connecttothevine.org slash engage, or simply clicking on the engage tab in the digital bulletin. Um, right now, we're going to continue in worship through the receiving of an offering. So for those that have given online or through automated giving, we want to say a special thank you for doing so. If you haven't had a chance to prepare your gift yet this week, uh, you, we've got several ways you can do that. Our, if you're in person, our usher is coming forward uh, to pass around a basket. Um, or you can click on the Give tab on the uh, digital, digital bulletin, and that'll take you to our secure give page. Or you can simply mail that gift in to P.O. Box 244. Rosalston, Georgia, 30517. As you are preparing your offering and preparing your gift this morning, just to remind you of the two main reasons we give. The first is that we understand that everything that we have, everything that we have, the, the, the clothes that you're wearing, the shoes that you're wearing, the food that you will eat after this service, everything that we have, every good and perfect gift comes from God. 
And so as we give back to him, it's not out of this out of an obligation. It's out of recognizing, acknowledging that it was all his to begin with. And then the second reason we give here at the Vine is to help fund the mission of the Vine, which is making disciples, making disciples. And we want to celebrate that last week at both of our campuses, we had nine students who walked through a, a long confirmation process and were actually confirmed last Sunday. And that was because of your generosity. And so we want to celebrate that, the decisions they made. Have a, have a few announcements for you this morning. The first announcement is this. Um, Christmas Eve is coming upon us, right? Anybody, real quick, tell me how many days. If you're watching online, you can put it in the chat box. Real quick, one, two, three. How many days? Eleven. I don't know if that's right or not. I went to the University of Georgia. I didn't do math. So um, 11 days. I've taken your word for it. 11 days. Here's the thing. Our services at both campuses are filling up pretty fast. And so we, this will give us an idea whether or not we need to add another service or just help us, to under, help us to have a better understanding of what we need to do to provide an opportunity for people in our community to hear the gospel of Jesus and hear about our newborn king. Amen? So you can go to connecttothevine.org and um, register for that free ticket. Uh, the next announcement we have is we have our uh, Vine Youth Christmas Party, and it's a scavenger hunt edition. Uh, we're going to meet December 20th at 4 p.m. at the Brazelton Town Green. Uh, we bring your masks, whatever. We're going to have bring your Christmas PJs, wear whatever you want to. Make sure you check the weather first. Uh, but it's going to be a fun time. I know our uh, Pedro and our um, Vine Youth team have something fun planned for that. It's going to be awesome. Scavenger hunts are always great. Our last announcement we have for you is our um, 1825. Uh, it's having their Christmas party gift exchange, white elephant, tacky sweater Christmas party on December 14th uh, at 7 p.m. You can email Ashley at Connect to the Vine to find out more about that. Here's the thing. I know when you look at me, you say, Gus, you, we know you're a part of that group because it's ages 18 to 25. I wish I could be a part of that group, but they won't let me in. I don't know why. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're super excited about what God is doing in and through the ministry of 1825 here at the Vine Church. In just a few moments, uh, Pastor Andrew is going to come up, and he's going to share what God has laid on his heart. And as we're continuing in week three of our series, Do You See What I See? But before he does that, let's pray together. Father, in a season when the world tells us to get so busy and so lost in the, the craziness of Christmas, Holy Spirit, cause us to rest. Cause us to rest and to look for, look for the Father in every little thing that we see throughout the day. If it's a raindrop, if it's a fall color of a leaf, if it's a bird flying, resting, or chirping, help us to get lost. Help us to just utterly get lost in your presence because you are everywhere. And if we'll just take time to focus our eyes in on the things that you have created and focus our eyes in on the things that are around us, we will find you. Help us to focus in on you and your presence. And Father, I pray for Pastor Andrew as he comes up to, to preach the word this morning.
pray that and know in his preparation that you have moved and you have worked. But if there is, there is something in, in him, Holy Spirit, that you just want to wreck him and, and bring a word this morning that will wreck us in the best way possible. That would bring us to our knees to humbly bow before you and worship you because you are the only person that is worthy of our worship and praise. So help us to get to that posture this morning as we worship. I pray for Andrew. I pray for a, a double anointing of your power and your authority as he brings us your holy word this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, Amen. church good it's great to see you. it's great to be with you for those of you i haven't met my name is andrew Irwin, and i do get to be one of the pastors here at the vine church and i'm fired up that i get to be with you today as we jump back into our message series called do you see what i see and in this series what we're doing is we're trying to take a fresh look at the christmas story that we all know and love so well And what we're trying to do is place ourselves in the shoes of the very people who were there for the very first christmas and so far in this series what we've done is we've taken a look at christmas through the eyes of the lowly shepherds and from King Herod the Great. And today, we're going to take a look at a character who is often overlooked and maybe a little undervalued when it comes to the Christmas story. He's there, but we don't hear a whole lot about him. I'm talking about Joseph. And Joseph's a fascinating figure because he's chosen by God to be the earthly father of God's own son, and yet we don't get a ton of details about him in the Christmas story. And part of me wonders if that's because Joseph, he treats Christmas morning a little bit like my dad treated Christmas morning when I was growing up. See, when I was a kid, me and my two siblings would like line up at the top of the stairs because we weren't allowed to go downstairs until mom and dad were actually out of bed, had come downstairs themselves, and had gotten everything ready. So we would wait and we would pace at the top of the stairs, a little bit like a caged animal before a meal. You know what I'm saying? Like we were going back and forth, just waiting for mom and dad to give us the cue. And then we would got, when we would get the cue, we would race down the stairs, run into the living room, and the wrapping paper massacre would begin. I mean, it was a sight to behold. I mean, we would shred paper. There would be ribbons and bows all over the place. And my mom was like right in the middle of all of it. Right? Like she wanted to be sitting like right there on the floor, right near the Christmas tree. She would be passing out gifts, trying to make sure that the right gift made it to the right person because there were a few disputed Christmas presents in the Irwin household about who opened what gift. I don't know if that happens in your households or not. She was doing her best to try to tell you who the gift was from as if we cared, right? And, and she was doing all that she could to try to get pictures taken in the midst of the moment and that was back before digital photography remember you had to like just 
point and hope that when you develop the picture, it wasn't like a piece of wrapping paper flying through the sky, right? That's, that was kind of what Christmas morning was like for my mom. She was right in the middle of it. My dad, he was typically sitting on the couch, kind of leaning back with a big smile on his face, just soaking it all in. And I didn't really pay attention to that at the time, but now as a dad, I have this deep appreciation for what he was doing. He was kind of savoring that moment. He was just letting everything unfold all around him and just enjoying every second of it. And I wonder sometimes if maybe that's what Joseph was doing on the very first Christmas morning. Now, to get a little bit more insight into Joseph, we're going to pick up reading today with Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And so if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, you're invited to open with me to Matthew chapter 1 right now. And as you're getting there, I do want to remind you that if you're reading on your, on your old school paper Bible, one of these things that actually has pages that turn, I know that's crazy in 2020, but if you have an old school paper Bible, it's, it's in Matthew chapter 1, which is the first part of the New Testament. If you're tracking along on the Version app, you can just search for Matthew and just know this, that all of our scriptures, teaching notes, and reflection questions have all been preloaded on there for you. And if you're tracking along at home, just know that the digital bulletin is a great option for you. All of our scriptures, teaching notes, and reflection questions are available there for you, okay? And so I'm really excited to jump into our scripture, but before we do, I got to remind you that one of the things that makes Christmas so remarkable is that it fulfills all of these Old Testament prophecies. Now, if you're new to church or haven't been in church in a while, you might be going, what's an Old Testament prophecy? Basically, there was people whose job was to be a prophet, and that meant that your job was to listen for what God was saying and share it with the people. So you heard the voice of God, shared it with the people of God. And here's what's remarkable. 700 years before Jesus was born, one of those prophets heard from God that the Savior of the world was going to be born to a virgin. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. Listen to, listen to this from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel, of course, means God with us. And so this prediction 700 years before the birth of Jesus comes to pass in Christ. And this isn't the only prophecy, and this isn't even the only prophet. Listen to what Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says about the location of where the Savior of the world was to be born. Listen to this. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Micah knew that the little town of Bethlehem was where the Messiah, the Savior of the, of the world, was to be born. And these guys weren't the only ones. Listen to what Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 says. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. This is unbelievable when you really back up and zoom out and think about it for a second. Here's why. All of these prophecies have to deal with the birth of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I didn't get to pick my parents. Anybody here get to pick their parents? No. I, I also didn't get to pick where I was born or the circumstances in which I was born into. And I certainly didn't get to pick the family tree that I was born into. And yet, Jesus 
Jesus was born, and every single prophecy about him that was announced hundreds of years before his birth came to pass. This is so amazing to think about, that he fulfills all of these prophecies and things that are completely outside of his control come to pass about him. Now, I'm convinced that the reason that this final prophecy that we just read about from Jeremiah about about the Son of God being born into the family of David, it comes to pass in Jesus' case, well, because of Joseph. Joseph happens to be of the lineage of King David. But that can't be the only reason that God has picked Joseph, right? He didn't just pick him because he came from the right family, did he? No, there's other reasons that we're going to see as we pick up reading with Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Listen to what God's word says. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I don't know about you, but I love this passage. Like, I love it. It's so rich in so many ways. And one of the things I love about it is it gives us some insight into perhaps some of the reasons that God selected Joseph to be the earthly father to Jesus, to be the one who would pour his life into Jesus, the Savior of the world. And I think the first reason that God selected Joseph was because he was a man of character. He was a man of character. So character was the first reason that God selected Joseph. And to help you understand why Joseph had so much character, I need you to understand that there was some really unique things about the law in first century Judea, specifically pertaining to marriage. I don't know if you knew this or not. I didn't know this. I had to do some research on this, that there was not a difference between being betrothed, which was sort of like our modern day engagement. So there's not a big difference between being engaged and being married legally in first century Judea. Here's what I mean by that. If you are engaged, you're basically married in the eyes of the Lord because at the point when your engagement contract begins, and it was a legal binding contract, it begins at the point of engagement. And actually at your wedding, it was just a celebration of what the two families had come together to negotiate together. And so if you wanted to call off an engagement, you had to get divorced before you got married. Listen, that's not a good look for anyone, especially the woman who was involved. Like if Mary was to have gotten divorced before she had gotten married under the grounds of adultery, if that's what she was being accused of, this would have been a train wreck for her. It would have been a disaster. Like you think we live in cancel culture? She would have been completely canceled from her culture. She would have had no shot of ever getting married again she would have been like considered like she would have been blacklisted completely from the community like it would have been really really bad 
But for Joseph, eh, it would have been a speed bump in his life. It would have been one of those scenes that he didn't look back on real fondly. But it wouldn't have been that big a deal. He, he could have walked away. He could have gone and, find, and found a new bride for himself. He probably could have played the sympathy card like, hey, you know, I, I had to get divorced before I got married and it wasn't my fault. I mean, that probably would have helped a little bit. He could have found somebody and moved on with his life. But he doesn't. In fact, Matthew describes Joseph as being a man who is just. Like, he's described as being just because he was unwilling to put Mary to shame. Now, I I think that's pretty remarkable when we stop and think about it because, like, this was a really challenging situation for Joseph. Like, I think a lot of times we think about how how much pressure Mary would have felt being asked to carry the Son of God. And we're going to be talking about Mary next week. But for a second, I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of Joseph. Here's Joseph who's just found out that his fiance is pregnant, and he's not dad. And, and Mary's trying to tell him that, it, it, I didn't have an affair. But from Joseph's perspective, the only logical conclusion that he could have possibly reached was she cheated on him. And then she lied about it. Now, we talk about this a lot as a church. Hurt people have the tendency to do what? Hurt people. And so it, it probably wouldn't have been that shocking to anybody here if Joseph had kind of taken the wounds that he had experienced and taken it out on Mary. But that's not what he does. Instead, he, he resolves that, that he's not going to embarrass her. He's not going to put her to shame. And I think that's pretty profound. And I think that's the kind of character that led, well, led God to say, Joseph, you're the type of man that I need to raise Jesus. And so here's what I want you to hear. Doing right by Mary led Joseph to being able to do right by the Messiah. It was his faithfulness towards Mary that led him to have the opportunity to be faithful to Jesus. Now, keep in mind, God could have chosen anybody from the lineage of David to help raise Jesus. But the most important attribute for God was to be a man of character. And we as a church have really tried hard to learn from this. We have. Like, we understand the significance of character, which is why anytime we have an open staff position and we go through the interview process to add somebody to our team, we have three primary things that we're looking for in an interview. The first is character, the second is chemistry, and the third is competency. And we go in that order. Like the number one thing we're looking for before we bring somebody onto our staff is that they've got to be a person of high integrity. They've got to be a person, a man or a woman, of character. That's non-negotiable for us. It's like, it's like the bottom line deal. And the, in fact, like the least important thing for us before we hire somebody is whether or not they have the skills to actually do the job for which we're hiring them. Because what we've learned is it's a lot easier to teach somebody skills than it is to teach somebody character. And you know what else we've learned? It's pretty easy to determine whether a person can or can't do a job. You can determine that pretty quickly in the interview process. I mean, their resume, you can call their references. They'll, they'll give you a pretty good sense of whether or not they've got the skills necessary to do what you're asking them to do. Now, what's a challenge is getting to know the heart of a person. That takes time. And Pastor Pedro likes to joke that I actually know him better than his family does because of the interview process he endured here at the Vine. It was about five interviews long. I sat in on each of them as different teams within the church asked questions to him. And the reason we had such a thorough 
uh, thorough interview process for Pastor Pedro wasn't because we questioned his track record. He has a stellar track record. It wasn't because of his skills. We had actually seen those in action. It was because we wanted to know his heart. And I'm so glad that we went through that process with Pastor Pedro because, by the way, he's absolutely crushing it here. He's growing two student ministries, one here at our Chateau Long Campus, one at our Flowery Branch Campus. And by the way, he's actually preaching at our Flowery Branch Campus right now. He's doing a phenomenal job. And that doesn't shock us because what we learned in that interview process is he's a man of character. Now, I think the second thing that God saw in Joseph, like the second thing that drew uh, God towards Joseph to allow Joseph the humble honor and privilege of being the earthly father to Jesus was that he was a man of courage. He had courage. Now, I can only imagine the fortitude it would have taken to remain engaged to somebody who was pregnant when you weren't the father. Like, think for a second. How many uncomfortable, awkward conversations would you have had to have if you had went to your family and friends and told them, hey, I know she's pregnant. I know I'm not the dad, but I've decided we're going to stay. We're going to stay engaged, and I'm going to marry her. And you know why? Because I heard it in a dream. Parents, parents, let's say your kid comes to you with Joseph's story. Hey, mom and dad had this dream. I know the baby's not mine, but I'm staying with her because I had a dream. I, I don't know how you would have responded, but let me just go out on a limb and say, it would have been a tough conversation. Can we agree on that? Yeah? My guess is Joseph had a bunch of tough conversations about what the heck he was doing with the rest of his life. But probably none of those conversations were as tough as the one he was having with the man in the mirror. Could you imagine trying to get your mind around the scenario you were in here? You have a dream from an angel. You got a wife who's saying, saying she's pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And, and you're deciding to go through with this situation? That's, that's a lot to wrap your mind around. I mean, there is no like, way for you to have proof that this child is coming from like an intervention of the Holy Spirit and not an indiscretion of Mary. You don't know that. It would have taken so much courage. And so I would argue that Joseph was courageous enough to trust his heavenly father above his earthly feelings. He was willing to trust his heavenly father above his earthly feelings. And because he does so, he was able to boldly step into the role of husband and father. And church, can I, can I just go out on a limb and say that our culture our culture needs more men who are willing to boldly step into the role of husband and father and do what's right even when it's hard. That, by the way, is what a man named Robert Carter did recently. Robert Carter um, has a really interesting story. He grew up in the foster care system because his parents could not um, properly care for him and his eight siblings. And so they were actually kind of distributed amongst many foster families because it's just hard to find a home that can care for eight children at one time. And so being raised separated from his, his siblings, he kind of grew up thinking, you know, I, if I ever have the opportunity, I would love to keep foster families together. And so last December, December of 2019, he became a foster father and he was given a placement of three young boys. Uh, their names are Robert Jr., Giovanni, and Chiante. And so 
he's raising these three boys on his own as a single dad, and then he hears they actually have two siblings, two sisters who had been placed into a separate foster home. And, and so he gets them all together, and they're having a kind of a play date. And watching the joy on all of those kids' faces at being reunited, at being back together, does something to his heart. And so he gets in touch with the foster care system in his state and basically says, I, I would like to have all five of these kids. And they come back and say, that's a nice thought, but your house isn't big enough. So he sells his house and buys a bigger one. And in October 30th, on October 30th of this year, Robert Carter actually adopted all five of those kids. Here's a picture of them on adoption day in the courtroom. Listen. We live in a society that loves to idolize and celebrate our sports heroes, our musicians, our actors, and our actresses. Robert Carter is a hero because he's a man of courage willing to do what very few are willing to do. Those are the kind of attributes that we see in Joseph. And I would contend that the final attribute that I think just grew God to Joseph was confidence. It's confidence. Now, when I say confidence, I'm not talking about self-confidence, puffing out your chest, look at me, I'm awesome, I've got this whole thing figured out. No, I'm talking about not confidence in himself, but confidence in the Lord. I'm talking about a holy, heavenly confidence that Joseph just possessed within him. L listen to verse 24. It says, it says, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Listen. He was willing to say, you know what? I've got plans for my life, but I'm going to backseat my plans to do what you say. In order to backseat your own plans to the plans of God, you have to have a holy confidence that the plans of God are bigger and better than your plans. And so here's what I want you to recognize. Joseph trusted that God's plan was better than his plan. And just so you know, church, if you've been wondering if you should sacrifice your plans for God's plans, God's plans are better than your plans. I didn't say they're easier. I said they're better. And the longer you abide in God's plans, the more you'll see the blessing unfold in your life and in the lives of everyone around you. But in order for you to have the ability to take a step in obedience, you've got to have a holy confidence about you that God's will is the best will for your life. And that's exactly what we see in Joseph. See, Joseph didn't just say, okay, I'm gonna stick with Mary and see how this thing like turns out. No, he was all in. It was that holy confidence that led Joseph to being able to lead his pregnant fiance from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And then just a couple years later, it's that same holy confidence that led him to take, take Mary and baby Jesus and leave and go to Egypt over 700 miles away to a place he had never been before. Why was he able to do that? Because he had confidence in the Lord. Church, that kind of confidence is the thing that changes the world. I know because we've seen it time and time again. A, a powerful example of that is Kiara Lubick. Kiara Lubick was 19 years old in the midst of World War II. 19 years old, midst of World War II. And she was living in northern Italy where bombs were being dropped daily. 
She was living in a part of the country that was just devastated, ravaged by the war. And she gathered together with some of her teenage friends and, and she posed a question to her friends. She said, is there anything in this world that bombs can't destroy? And the response that she and her friends came up with, yes, there is something that bombs can't destroy, the love of God. And so they made it their mission during World War II to go to every person in their town and the surrounding communities and love them like Christ loved them. So to the people who had lost everything and didn't have enough food or clean water, they made daily trips to bring supplies of food and clean water. To those who had lost loved ones to bombs hitting their mark, they would go and just sit with them, and be with them, and love them as well as they possibly could. To those who had lost hope, they would go and proclaim the good news of the gospel to them. And there was such an intense warmth to, to this group of teenagers living out their faith that the local town named them Focolare, which in Italian means hearth or fireplace. And Focolare has become an international movement to this day. It currently has over 2 million members in, in 182 countries around the world where they continue the work of spreading the good news of the gospel of Christ. And if you're wondering what kind of intense courage it takes to go when bombs are dropping all around you and to love people in the name of Jesus, the answer is a holy confidence. And my friends, that's not something that was relegated to World War II or even the time of Christ. That's something that I've seen throughout 2020. I've seen this type of holy confidence in you. When I talk to the people in our church who are on the front lines of this pandemic, who are serving as firefighters, police officers, doctors, nurses, hospital administration, when I talk to them, just try to remind them over and over again of how grateful I am for them operating with a sense of holy confidence in this season. When I talk to our teachers in our communities and our parents who are trying to navigate this season together, tell them that I'm astounded by their holy confidence through this season that's been unprecedented in so many ways to the point that the word unprecedented, it should be thrown from our vocabulary. Listen, you all have operated and displayed such a high level of holy confidence. And I couldn't be more grateful for the way that you all have decided to continually live out your faith and all that you say and all that you do because in so doing, you are transforming lives. It's because of you that we've been able to support iServe Ministries as they continued the work of feeding the hungry in our communities. It's because of you that we've been able to continue partnering with our, uh, our global partners in Nicaragua, Amigos for Christ, where they are literally continuing to dig wells to make sure that the least among us have clean water. It's because of you that we've been able to support missionaries in the Middle East in the midst of a pandemic where they are continuing to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's because of you that we're continuing to see first-time guests come and join us for worship, surrender their life to Christ, and be baptized here at the Vine Church. It's because of your holy confidence in the Lord. Church, I am so excited about the future, not because I'm confident in us and our abilities, but because I'm confident in the Lord and what he wants to do in and through us. Church, the best is yet to come. You know why? this is the time of year where we remind ourselves over and over again that our God is Emmanuel, 
God with us. That means that we can operate just like Joseph did. We can be filled with courage and confidence as we allow our God-given character to shine through in all that we say and all that we do. Because when we do that, we get to see miracles unfold around us. Joseph, because of his character, courage, and holy confidence, got to be there for the birth of the Savior of the world. Got to be one of the very first people to lay eyes on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Listen, when you operate with that kind of courage, I'm convinced that you're going to see miracles unfold around you. And I can't wait to see and hear all that God's going to do around you as you continue abiding in him. Church, let's pray together. Good and gracious God, we love you. And we thank you for the extraordinary love that you have for us. God, I I thank you that you have been with us through this challenging season that we've all endured together. I thank you for your presence and your peace. I thank you for your provision and your protection. I thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, you are so good. And it's because of who you are that we have such character, such courage, and such confidence. I pray that we would continually operate with those things now and the days to come. And Father, if there's anybody here who wants to take the courageous step of placing their trust in you for the very first time, Father, I pray that you would speak to them very clearly right now, that you would stir up something inside of them, whether they're in this room or whether they're online. Father, stir something inside of them so that you that you can lead them to trust in you and instill in them that holy confidence to know that they are never alone and that the best truly is yet to come. And if there's anybody here who wants to make today the day that they trust in you, all you have to do, all you have to do to trust in the Lord today is join me in this simple prayer. You can say it out loud or say it in your heart. But just say these words to Jesus. He hears every thought you think. Just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. I want you to be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. Because from this day forward, I want to be a a person of character. I want to be a person of courage. I want to be a person of holy confidence. Church. You just prayed that prayer for the very first time. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, would you just raise your hand right now? If today is the day that you're placing your trust in Jesus, we want to celebrate that with you. And if you're if you just prayed that prayer online, we pray that you would let somebody know. Fill out the best decision ever card right there on the digital bulletin or type it in the chat box. Just let somebody know. Well, Father, for all those who have prayed that prayer in the past, we give you thanks, we give you honor, we give you praise for who you are and for what you've done. You are our Emmanuel, God with us. It's in Christ's holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, church, I'm gonna invite you to stand as you're able as we go into the time of singing our closing song. Let's stand and sing together.
surrounding me that is brave at your name still call the sea to still the rage in me to still every way at your name oh Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus, you silence fear, oh Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus.
today's service. Uh, we have communion available for those who have committed to live like Christ and repented of their sin. Uh, we'll have people up front to, to pray with you for any prayer concern or anything that you uh, feel like that you want to share so that we can pray and contend for that with you. Also, if you have something you want to celebrate. Again, like we are in the business of celebrating God. Amen? Come on. And so we would love to do that as well. Outside of that, we look forward to seeing you guys next Sunday. Y'all have a great week knowing the Lord is with you and walks before you. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.